leprosy are cleansed. The deaf hear, the dead, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. A John's disciple were living, Jesus began to speak to the crowd about John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed swayed by the wind. If not, what did you go out to see? A man dressed in fine clothes? No, those who wear fine clothes are, are in king's places. Then what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet, this is the one about whom it is written. I will, see my, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way before you. The next reading is Hebrew, chapter 1, verse 1 to verse 4. God's final words, word. To, in the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, his, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom also he made the universe. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand, right hand of, of the majesty in heaven. So he became as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited in superior to theirs. Lord, may your word live in us. And bear much fruit to your glory. Thank you. Thank you, Tepper. <clears throat> Let us pray. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would speak into our lives that you administer to us through what is said, that it would be your words that are spoken, your voice that we hear. We ask that in this message, each of us would hear something that's relevant to us, something that lets us know that you are speaking to us beyond any shadow of a doubt, something we can take hold of that challenges us, that grows us in our faithfulness. So speak, Holy Spirit, we pray. For we, your children, desire to hear. Our hearts, our souls, our ears are open. In the name of Jesus, amen. I enjoy listening to talk radio. Anybody else enjoy that? It's great. I particularly enjoy the phone-in discussions and comments that come from people the length and breadth of Australia. I enjoy hearing the opinions of others. I enjoy being stretched in terms of my own thinking. I enjoy learning about the culture of the other callers from wherever they are in the country. I enjoy seeing how far the length and breadth of logic can stretch in a person's mind. And sometimes it's a real stretch, I can tell you that. 
But the one thing I don't enjoy, the thing that strikes fear into my heart, anxiety into my bones, is the moment when the caller begins the conversation with these words. They say, well, I'm a Christian and let me tell you, and off they go. And the reason that I don't like those comments are because they invariably come from the extreme. And it doesn't matter which extreme, they're just generally from the fringe, right on the outside of the belief system. And the term Christianity covers such a wide-ranging set of beliefs that you really cannot lump everybody together just under that one banner, which is exactly what happens when that person presents their position like that. The caller, the caller assumes the authority for all of Christendom and everybody else who might have the slightest interest or spark in Christianity very often gets, uh, gets that extinguished by what is sometimes uh, a very ludicrous statement. Now, you might well say, well, Stuart, at least they have the courage of stating their beliefs. And indeed, that is true. And I'm also not arrogantly saying that I know everything and that my beliefs are the final word and I have the correct understanding or the monopoly on the knowledge of God. I'm not saying that at all. In fact, quite the opposite. The more we get to know Jesus, the more we know just how little we know. I had a professor in uni who was one of his favorite saints. He said, the more I know about Jesus, the more I know how little I really know. Do I mind somebody expressing their Christian belief and opinion? Of course not. But what I do mind is when it is prefaced as the all-knowing, all-understanding, this is what every Christian believes, I've got it all worked out, understanding of God. Because the real beauty of Jesus is this, that as long as we're following Him, we will always be on a journey of knowing more. We will always be on a discovery of who He is. We will always have more to uncover, more to learn, more to unravel, more to take in, which leads to more growth, which leads to a closer walk with God, a greater sense of what He desires from us, more service to His kingdom, and a greater understanding of what God has put you and me on this earth to do. In our sermons over the past few months, we've actually journeyed quite a lot with what we're called to do in this world. We've looked at things like being joyful always. We've looked at the topics of loving God and loving neighbor. Even if I go back as far as our Christmas series, we looked at the Christmas tree and how it reminds us of, of what Christmas is about, this massive moment in history which causes us to reach upwards and reach outwards. Now as we're entering the period of Lent and building towards Easter, this pivotal moment in our faith that focuses so much uh, on Jesus, we're going to be asking the question, why Jesus? Why follow this man? Who is he? What makes him so compelling? Why has he changed the world? And what does it mean for you and me to learn more about him? Because really, no matter how much we know, there's just so much more to learn. William Willimon is a Methodist bishop from the United States, and I've leaned heavily on uh, some of his writings for the sermon series. But he said this, he said, The problem with Christianity is that God created us in His image, and then shortly afterwards we went and returned the favor. 
making God in our image, making God into what we want him to be so that he's more palatable, so that he agrees with us, so that he's easy to follow and not too challenging, so that he fits in with our lifestyle. He said in another place, he said, if your God agrees with all of your opinions and political beliefs, then he really is just your God. The truth about Jesus is quite different. The truth about Jesus is that he actually disrupts lives. Follow the Gospels. Follow the people that he meets. He disrupts lives. He transforms lives. He changes lives radically. The more we know Jesus, the more transformed we become. And who we become isn't anything close to who we thought we would be. The Gospel writers' ultimate testimony to Jesus is that he radically transforms lives. He disrupts lives. He shows up at times unexpected. He introduces himself and says, I want you and I want you to know me. I want to reveal God to you in life-changing ways. Walk with me. You will never be the same. You will never be the same. The writer to the Hebrews that Tepper read for us said that God revealed himself through the prophets. Now he is revealed through Christ. Jesus says in our Matthew reading this morning, I am here to make the blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy will be cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor because blessed is anyone, Tepper read this version, blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me the more correct or the version that i love so much more than that says blessed is anyone who takes no offense at me blessed is anyone who isn't offended by me why jesus because we know that he's on a mission to change lives and there were people who got offended he changed the course of history this wild weird improbable character who was intent with being on sinners and helping those who the church had long since rejected, this Galilean peasant who never wrote a book or led an army, but he's touched lives in ways that, that people have gone to their death to follow him. People have given everything to emulate him. People have counted worldly treasures as nothing because of him, because to get to know him is life-changing, if you don't take offense if you don't take offense. Coming up to Easter, you want to know why Jesus is so significant? Well, let's have a look at some of the stories of who he is. Some of the moments that scream out, follow me. The first story of who Jesus is, is that he's a vagabond. Vagabond Jesus. Now, when I read that at first, it really didn't sit well with me. It probably doesn't sit well with you. It's quite a contentious thing to say about Jesus that he's a vagabond. To me, a vagabond has very negative connotations. In fact, it actually has criminal connotations. When I think of a vagabond, I think of somebody who's out to do no good. I think of a drifter who has got criminal things on his mind, trying to make an easy buck. But I did a bit of research before the sermon, you'll be pleased to know. And in fact, vagabond has no criminal connotations at all. I was quite surprised to learn that the term vagabond is simply a person who goes from place to place without home or job. That's it. 
A person who goes from place to place without home or job. And that certainly is what Jesus is. In fact, we actually know very little about the only period of time Jesus actually had a home. When he was a child, he spent some time at home. We know almost nothing about that time period in his life. In, uh, Matthew, and, um, in Matthew and Luke, there's one or two very short stories. But in Mark's gospel, Jesus just shows up right out of nowhere. He gets baptized and then he heads off into the wilderness. And the pattern is set for this wandering teacher. In fact, to read the stories of Jesus is to know that the action only ever seems to happen when Jesus is on the move. Things only happen when Jesus is on the road. If you want to know Jesus, the gospel writers seem to say, you've got to meet him on the road. You've got to meet him on the move. Anyone who wants to know Jesus needs to be willing to move, to change, to grow. The one thing Jesus never does is stay in one place. It's a forward movement. And this shouldn't surprise us because we often talk about following Jesus. But in reality, we follow only so long as Jesus goes in the direction that we want to go. Vagabond Jesus is a Jesus who is on the move. Who says, you cannot sit only on what you think you know. You have got to be moving. William Willimon writes this little prayer to Jesus and he says, he says, Jesus, at my age, your frenetic pace, your moving, is beginning to show scars on me. He's about 70, I think, which, depending on where you are in the age bracket, is young or old. I'm not sure. He says, your frenetic pace of moving is beginning to show scars on me. I long to locate, to bed down and settle in and sit tight with what I already know of you, rather than having to follow you to some unknown destination and learn more about you. I find it remarkable that you have absolutely nothing to say about retirement. Haven't you found that you're at your best when you're working with people in their 30s? <laughs> Anyone who wants to meet Jesus, to understand Jesus, to be with Jesus, must be willing to move. Not physically, but in your understanding in your growth god promises to the to the israelites that he will come as a messiah but the messiah that they wanted uh, and the messiah that came were two different things he didn't come in the mold that they expect and while many people follow him there are many who take offense many who do not many who are revolted and disgusted and disgruntled and offended Blessed is anyone who takes no offense at me, says Jesus. Blessed are the ones who walk the journey, who will discover what they do not yet know, who are willing not to sit on the laurels of what they think they understand about me, but will relocate, but will move, but will meet me on the road, on the move, for that is where the action is. Vagabond Jesus is on the move, going from place to place. And we can only follow if we're on the move too. Jesus is always in motion, always on the road, even after he's died. In three days, he's on the move when he's risen from the dead. The women go to the tomb and the angel says to them, 
you're looking for Jesus, you just missed him. He's on the way to Galilee. If you want to be with him, get moving. He's on the move. When Jesus makes his way back to the confused and bewildered disciples who definitely weren't going anywhere, he doesn't say to them, he doesn't say to them, oh, you poor darlings, you've had a rough week, have you? Why don't you settle down here, snuggle in in Galilee, buy yourself some real estate, settle in with these good country folk who you're comfortable with, build a church, get a spiritual huddle going. He doesn't say anything of the sort. Vagabond Jesus says, get moving. Get out of here. Go make disciples. Get teaching. Get baptizing. And don't stop at Judea. Go to everyone. And I will be with you every step of the journey until the journey ends. I'll be with you all the way because I'm moving. There's no way to be with Jesus, to love Jesus, to obey Jesus, if we're not on the road with Jesus, on the move with Jesus, never content with just what we know, but always seeking more, always hungering for more, always wanting to know more of this person. Why, Jesus? Because there's more to discover. He's on the move. But there is another aspect to the vagabond understanding of who Jesus is. And that aspect is that he's always looking outwards. The Jews expected God to show up and to save them. But they didn't expect him to show up as a homeless wanderer, without job or without possessions, unmarried and unemployed. Worst of all, looking outward and crossing boundaries that, quite frankly, they thought should never, ever be crossed. He violated biblical laws. He violated custom laws. He reached out and touched lepers. He healed on the Sabbath. He elevated the status of women. And worst of all, he even made their most hated enemy, the Samaritan, the hero of one of his best stories ever. He called the rich people fools. And the religious leaders like me, he said, they are whitewashed tombs. Sparkling clean on the outside and rotten on the inside. Instead of going to the churches, he went to the poor, the neglected, the marginalized. And he said, for you, I've got the good news. For you. Our world today has so many ways of making us look inward. We're continually told to focus on ourselves. The most popular form of photograph today is called a selfie. It's in the name. Look at yourself. Take a photograph of yourself. Make yourself the center of your attention. The world says to us, focus on, on your needs, on what you want. Look at what you have. Look at what you don't have and want more. All we're told to do is to think about us. Why Jesus? Because the vagabond Jesus pulls us out of ourselves and makes our lives about so much more. Makes our lives about a much greater purpose than just our own little sense of happiness. Vagabond Jesus went from place to place, healing, teaching, sharing love, and told his misfit followers to do the same. They weren't even to take anything for the journey. 
They certainly didn't have the talents to uh, be revolutionary in any way. They just walked with Jesus, looked outward, and the legacy is that the 12 men changed the world. They changed the world. Why Jesus? Because he's a vagabond, on the move and looking outward. Not concerned with the world, but concerned with God. I'll close with this challenge from William Willimon. He says this. He says, Jesus is always on the move and constantly inviting people to join his journey. But in my pastoral experience, Jesus holds little interest for people who think they know all they can know of him. He holds little interest for those who are at ease with what they know and don't want to know more. Jesus comes to people where they are, but he doesn't leave them where they were. He invites them to an adventure of a whole new world, of being loved by him and invited to be his constant traveling companion. That's why Paul, writing to the church at Ephesus, says, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. That is very bad news for those who are complacent with the world as it is. But it is exceptionally good news for those who think that they may have been created for more than merely the present arrangements. Why, Jesus? Because we were created for more. We are created for more. More knowledge of God, more closely walking with Him, more kingdom building, a vagabond on the move looking outward. And I pray that for you and for me, that that is good news. Amen. Let us pray. Lord God, there are many times when we are guilty of creating you in our image. When we form and shape you in exactly the way we want you to be and close off our minds to to growing and changing and learning. There are times, Lord, when we don't want to be moving. We're happy just to sit. Forgive us for those moments. As we come to this period which is so important in the Christian faith, where we look at you and what you've done on the cross, why Jesus? Because you're a vagabond on the move and looking outward. Help us, Lord, to be on the move with you. Help us to be looking outward. Help us to be vagabonds too. For that's why we wish to serve you, Lord. Because our lives are meant for more. And that is good news. Amen.